it's just something, you know, that another one of those things that's like, okay, this is how my brain works based on the experiences and things that I have gone through and things that have happened to me. Now, what can I do? Hey guys, welcome to our Soul Fan podcast where I interview space holders from all over the world. I'm your host, my name is Carolina, and I am the Connection Catalyst. I help spiritual entrepreneurs experience deeper connection with themselves, with others, and with the whole universe. Today on the show, we have Carla Houston, the mental health freelance writer. Welcome to the show, Carla. How are you doing? Hi, thank you. I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing really, really good because I'm super <laughs> excited to talk to you because I know that you are a very, very rich person and you have a lot of wisdom inside in a lot of uh, ways and a lot of topics. So I'm super, super happy that you agreed to be on the podcast. And uh, yeah, I'm super, super happy to talk to you today. So I would love to start with a little bit of a backstory of yours to discover like what was your journey, you know, how you came to be a mental health freelance writer because I guess that mental health was a big theme in your life. And I'm really curious about how it all started for you. What inspired you uh, to become a writer? And how did your journey develop uh, until this day? Absolutely. So I've been writing since I was a kid. It's always been a passion of mine from short stories to just personal entries to share with people just what's on my mind and cultivate from my perspective of things. Um, and as I got older, I continued with it, but I decided to go the route of education and I became a teacher. Um, and then a couple of years ago when the pandemic hit, I found out I was pregnant. So I stopped teaching and decided to pick up again with my writing and start sharing more on Instagram because I kind of fell into a bit of post or prenatal depression. And that was kind of something that I used to really uplift my mood. And that turned into me being able to get picked up by different publications online and just guest blog or ghostwrite. And now I am an official mental health freelance writer. So I absolutely love it. Wow, that's amazing. That's great that you used your um, passion and your joy to actually share with people. And I feel like that's the best way to do this because when you are actually coming from joy and from passion and from something that excites you and you're doing it for you, then people can really feel it and they can really pick up on this energy that you put, that intention that you put in your writing, in your passion. So that's really, really great. I, I love that. It's really, really inspiring. And thank you so much for sharing. And so I know that mental health is a big, big topic and we can probably talk about it for hours and I would love to actually talk about some maybe truths and myths uh, uh, that you have discovered on your journey about the mental health and I would love to start with the uh, topic of bipolarity because I know I, I saw in uh, some of your uh, in one of your posts uh, on Instagram that you have been diagnosed uh, in 2016 from what I remember and I would like to really just break this myth <laughs> because um, as I said to you before we started recording that I don't really believe in labels so much. I believe that we are just different people and like because there is a norm, right, that we need to feel fit into then anything beyond the norm is like labeled and this is not uh, normal and this is like but first of all who the, who the hell decides what's normal and like where the, does the norm actually end and where does it start because to me it's like you know all these kind of different mental health conditions to me like when I, for example, meet people with uh, ADHD or with autism sometimes, these people are geniuses. Like, honestly, sometimes their brain works in a way that I'm like, oh my God, how, how can this person even like, 
comprehend these things and their brain just works differently and so i really do not believe in you know these these kind of labels and so on and so i'm really curious about your perspective and how you went about what was your journey when you were labeled like this and how did you manage it internally and also how do you stay grounded in all all this mess that you know that collective consciousness puts on you old bipolarity oh it's like this or that and what are really the truths and the myths around you know about this uh, let's say state because uh, yeah i just really i just really don't believe in labels so i'm i'm here to just bring some light of consciousness onto these themes so i'm really curious uh, about your perspective of course and i really appreciate you even asking and bringing this kind of topic to your platform because i think it's really important and i can definitely agree with you when it comes to labels um being diagnosed in 2016 was a shock uh with bipolar 2 so there's four different types of bipolar bipolarity that are listed bipolar one two there's one that i cannot pronounce that starts with the c and then there's undefined and so two is more uh, inclination of depression more so than the stereotypical violent or you're going to start going from hot to cold that we normally um see depicted in the media and so knowing that i as well don't believe in labels i view the diagnosis as an explanation not an excuse um so i know i can better um understand how my brain is working and so knowing that i have this going on it helps me even function better now that i finally uh understand that okay certain things might trigger me certain things might push me into a different space than normal you could say or average i just have to be extra on top of what needs to be done to help prevent that so things that i normally keep in my you know toolbox um include meditation affirmations exercising hiking getting my body moving at least once a day you know if i have downtime or if i have an active day because that keeps the serotonin levels in my brain high versus just having to depend on a medication and there's nothing wrong with taking medication and sometimes i do that myself but it's not my preference so i try to do everything as natural or as holistic as possible because it's easier for me i've learned over these last 6 years it helps me to better function the way that i desire um having the label I I share about being bipolar online because I want to break that stigma. I don't believe that it defines who I am. I'm not the disorder. I have it, but it doesn't have me. And so it's really kind of um when you mentioned people that have autism, ADHD and how they're geniuses, I kind of feel like my bipolarity gives me a little bit of a superpower because I have this just mentality sometimes or mindset that's not so common and i can see things in ways that others people others may not and i i'm able to bring light to that and show them you know because of this disorder because of this chemical imbalance in my brain um and at first it was really hard i took a while to get here it took about almost the full 6 years to really understand like okay this is something that is incurable This is something that is not going to go away and so how am I going to be able to live my life the way I want to while having this disorder and I just decided that I'm going to do everything I can from like I mentioned activities that I know will help from therapy and just having a support system and my friends and loved ones to know that okay I got this you know and it's been it's been a really intense sometimes tough but beautiful journey and i i wouldn't regret um i wouldn't take 
back anything if I could do it all over again, because I feel like every single step has led me to become the woman that I needed to in this chapter of my life. Mm, that's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. I really love how you talk about it. And I'm really curious to know, like from a, from your perspective, because I don't know, I cannot even comprehend or imagine how the brain works with this kind of let's say state because I don't want to say diagnosis or this kind of like element because I don't believe it's like an element I believe it's like a yeah like you say a superpower it's just different uh, yeah so how does it work in terms of like what is the 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 thing that is going inside of you what is what is it going mm -hmm. on is it that you have for example different thoughts or different feelings at once or like how does it actually play out in your body yeah so for me um what ultimately got me diagnosed originally in 2016 was the fact that i was just struggling with keeping my emotions balanced i couldn't regulate the right way i would get really irritable or anxious and i had a hard time in school studying or when i started working getting through my work day was just harder than it should have been and so when i started going to therapy and talking to my therapist at the time they brought up the diagnosis and decided that this might be something that i actually have based on the way i was describing it and how i just couldn't seem to um find anything to help me be able to get to what i used what i was used to internally so i went from feeling really balanced emotionally to up and down throughout the day unprompted nothing had to happen i could be at disneyland i could be having the best day ever and then all of a sudden i would just feel a dark cloud over me and i was like i can't live like this this is not normal i was around you know positive happy people i was not familiar with this mental diagnosis or really mental health in general i it it, it was something that i had dealt with since i was a child but i had suppressed it And I just thought, okay, if I ignore it, it'll go away. And I think ignoring it ultimately, obviously, didn't help because it just grew. And the the issue of the moods up and down continued for me. And also, on top of having the bipolar diagnosis, I was recently diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. And so it kind of goes hand in hand with the up and down moods and sometimes for me feeling Sometimes, just like anyone else in the world, you can have feelings of abandonment, you can feel anxious, you can feel worried, and sometimes I can tend to lean into that thinking if I don't um, do my typical routine of management when it comes to my emotions, I can tend to just spiral, you know, into this, this thought process that is just ultimately leading to something that could be very detrimental. Um, a lot of people who are bipolar, uh, struggle with suicidal ideation. I am one of them. And so it's not that I have an actual plan to take my life, even though in the past I have had, uh, multiple attempts that I have seen now have been related to the disorder. Um, but more so, it's like feeling like you just don't need to be here anymore or feeling like the world would just be better without you. And that's just part of the chemical imbalance. And so knowing that I have to constantly remind myself sometimes every single day for a month straight that this is not true. This is not fact. You know, I have to remind myself what is fact, go through, sometimes even after a conversation with someone, if I take it the wrong way because of my own wiring in my brain, I have to go back through the list and say, okay, what do we know is fact? Did they tell you this? Yes or no? Yes? Okay. No? Okay. Move forward. You know, and sometimes that's just a practical thing that I use because of what I have to go through in order to continue to be who I want to be. And I accept that. 
And so part of the diagnosis is like you were saying with labels, I get it. It's a label. It's a, it's a definition. It's an explanation, but it's not me. So I take it as I'm okay. I'm bipolar. Okay. I might be written down as borderline personality, but I'm still me. And I'm still going to be able to be me even amidst these diagnoses. I just have to keep doing these practical tools that I have in my box and I'll be fine. And I feel like that is something that has really helped me throughout these, like I said, six years and even in the most recent diagnosis in the past couple of months of just knowing that even if I get another one, you know, it's just, it's just an explanation of how my brain works, but it doesn't define who I am. Mm, yeah, that's... That's really, really spot on. I really vibe with it because like, yeah, it's just uh, <laughs> something that can help you understand yourself on a deeper level. But what are you going to do with it? Then it is like the most important right. thing, I guess. Uh, but I'm really curious because yeah. like to me, it just seems like, okay, bipolarity, it's a label. But to me, it seems like, okay, everyone has emotions. So maybe just the bipolar uh, people, let's say, I don't know how to, or people with diagnosis like this, they just have maybe a different mechanism subconsciously of dealing with it or just going into uh, extreme emotions. But it's, to me, it seems like it's all stemming from childhood trauma anyway. Like yes. if you heal the emotions, if you express them, then you're not going to have such mm -hmm. extreme variations of emotions. And, you know, I work with people with the subconscious mind going back to childhood traumas, releasing emotions and so on. And I know that like when you go back and you really relive all these emotions, a person who might be very, very stressed and constantly, you know, chronically fatigued or stressed or whatever, at some point they can be at peace. And it's not like, okay, you have chronic fatigue, you have chronic stress everything is um you know able to be healed if you just put a lot yes. of focus and attention into it if you go back and you really rewire that because honestly i believe that emotion is energy in motion so if you have some kind of states like even the you know victimhood or hopelessness or whatever powerlessness it's still the energy that is inside of you so to me it seems like if you actually can deal with this energy and let yourself express it in a healthy way and regulate your nervous system right. and you know be conscious about it all it seems like yeah, maybe you need to pay a little <laughs> bit more attention, but everyone has emotions and everyone goes with the program subconsciously and everyone sometimes goes way beyond with their reaction of what, you know, logically makes sense because of the trigger, because of the childhood trauma. So yes. it just seems to me like maybe bipolar, um, you know, people are more sensitive to changes uh, in a way to emotional Absolutely. changes but it doesn't mean that it cannot be healed like i don't believe that there is something that cannot be healed i believe that it's all wiring in your brain it's all mm -hmm. your body like your body has the ability to heal so if you know how to approach it and you use different methods and you treat yourself holistically i honestly believe that almost anything can be healed. Like, I don't say everything because I don't know, but I honestly believe that, yes. or at least mitigate it massively. If you majority. Emotions, if you know, yeah, exactly. If you work with the breathing, right. maybe if you need to regulate yourself, if you work with, as you say, affirmations and movement and you surround yourself with amazing people and so on, then I believe like, okay, maybe you have some ups and downs emotionally, but honestly, everyone does. Like, you know, maybe right. you are, they are more extreme, but like, I believe that everyone needs to work on their emotions. There is no person that yep. should not work on their emotions in life, right? So I believe it's like, right. okay, maybe you're just more sensitive, more extreme um, in this. But I believe it's something you can mit mitigate at least, if not heal, um, in my view. Uh, but that's just my my intuition telling me that. So uh, no, yeah, I might I be absolutely completely wrong, agree. but yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. No, that's I great absolutely that we agree. agree with you. <laughs> yeah, Amazing. I was gonna mention that. 
I was going to mention that from my most recent diagnosis and the bipolar diagnosis that both were stemmed from my therapist who, after talking through my own childhood trauma and things that I went through. I'm honestly convinced that if you want to give it a name, one of my parents would have had the same thing. And it's just a cycle of generational trauma and hurt that never got healed. And so that's why I think on my page, I might have in my bio, I'm a cycle breaker because now that I know what's going on, I don't have to continue passing it down to my daughter. I don't have to keep it, you know, in my family. It stops with me. And that's why I'm extremely thankful that I put in the time to even dis discover what was going on with my brain because now I, that's where the true healing begins. Like you mentioned, the rewiring and the unlearning and the relearning. I absolutely believe that anything can be healed in that way. Yes, amazing. That's really <laughs> empowering. That's really, really cool that you believe that. Uh, me too, seriously, because we're not here to suffer. We're here to heal. We're here to grow. We're here to expand and to experience life. And if we have something that we struggle with, it's usually just the universe pushing us on the path to healing so that we can share it with others and improve our lives. So I totally believe that. And I'm really uh, curious because you said that there are different levels of bipolarity. So how are they different? Like one, two, three, four, like what is mm -hmm. the, the difference between them so the one that i have like i mentioned is more so for manic depression which is bipolar 2 bipolar 1 is more of like an up and down state where you might feel like um a violent urge or a little bit more irritability uh you might struggle to feel like more of the switch between your brain and you might have you know moments where you're just up and you're great and everything's fine and then literally a minute later you're crashing, you know, and that's why I wasn't necessarily diagnosed with, uh, with that one because I don't really show symptoms of that one. There's then another one that um, is, I believe, cyclo, cyclocomythic, I cannot say it, but um, it's more so where you have a cross between one and two. So you might show symptoms of bipolar one and bipolar two. So they named it a different one just to define that. And then there's another one that's just undefined. So that's the fourth one. It's just um, they haven't named it. It's unspecified, but you show like markers that you're on the bipolarity spectrum, but they're not exactly sure where to place you. And that's why I am firmly, like you said, not a true believer in labels because it's more so just a definition, but if you label it and then you tell me, hey, there's a possibility that you're not this, then I'm attached to this label. And that can be really traumatic for some people sometimes because they identify with something that doesn't necessarily have a permanent standing. So that's why I think it's important to know the difference and the definitions between each types so that you can understand that right now, maybe you're on this, you know, bipolar two spectrum or you're showing signs of bipolar one but you won't have to stay there you can work through the whatever it is that you need for medicine or therapy or you know working out doing yoga you know um unlearning and relearning and then when you go back a couple months later or a year later or whatever it is you may not even be, sh be showing symptoms of that anymore so that's why i think it's important to know all four and make sure you're fully educated on that so that you can understand, okay, I was feeling this way, but now I'm not. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. that's amazing and it's pretty funny that like okay you are undefined and it's like okay we want to define you so we're just gonna define you as undefined right. it's like what the exactly. hell I mean that yeah. doesn't make any yeah. sense so yeah right. you're bipolar but undefined so we cannot really define you but we're gonna define you as bipolar it's like 
uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I just exactly. find it really, really funny. And that just tells everything about the labeling, you know, because it's like the, yeah, it's just a, a, a funny, it's exactly. just a joke. <laughs> as yeah, I, as I think. it can be. And so mm-hmm. what do you think is the most important thing that people should know who maybe know someone bipolar and in terms of like, um, you know, if someone has, let's say, a switch next to them, or, you know, I have a, let's say I have a friend or my mom or, you know, partner or whatever who is bipolar, how do I go about it then? Like, what do I need to understand? What is the most important thing to understand and how to maybe behave in a situation where someone is really emotional and really, you know, goes on the, I don't know, these ups and downs or, you know, on the sinusoid of emotions. And what is the the advice that you would give to someone like that? I would say that if you know someone like that, you should definitely talk with them and have a safety plan, as I call it, so that when they have episodes or mood shifts, you know how to help de-escalate them or help them come out of that way of thinking. And if they can't, you need to know how to keep yourself safe as well so that you're not intermixed with this episode because it could potentially turn violent or it could turn just, you know, spiral into a really uncomfortable situation that might trigger you and you need to keep yourself safe as well. Um, So I always tell people my husband has gone to therapy. He has gone to different classes to specifically learn how to assist being as a partner, as a spouse of someone who has this disorder. And that has definitely helped him a lot. Um, I I know everyone may not be able to do that, but if you can get some kind of resource in that way, I highly recommend it because there's just so many different factors to bipolarity that we can tend to take personal when we don't have it. And that is not helpful for someone that does have it because they really in that moment when they're having an episode need your support. So if you could just, you know, use soft words, um, try not to escalate it with yelling or, um, sometimes touching is an issue because it's a, it can throw off a sensory balance when they're having episodes. I know I have that as well. So sometimes I just need to be left alone. And if you know that, just give them some space, whether it's 30 minutes, whether it's an hour, if you need to leave and come back, or if they need to leave and come back, let them because sometimes that's the only thing that's going to truly help de-escalate that situation. Um, as well, I would say after they come out of that episode, Talk to them about, you know, what can I do to better support you? What are things that I can do to help you specifically that you want me to do when those things happen? And I would, I always tell people to tell your partner, tell your friend, tell your parent, this is how I feel when you have these episodes, because it's not an excuse. So sometimes people like to use this uh, mental health diagnosis as justification for just being, you know, rude, being inconsiderate being mean, being violent, and that's not okay. So if that does happen, I always say, make sure you just say so. Just so you know, um, sometimes when you're having these episodes, I feel a little uncomfortable or I feel like I am um, being attacked and I want to help. So is there any way that we can have like maybe a word that prompts you to remember that I'm here to assist you versus um, uh, be against you? And having those like really basic but powerful conversations can definitely help prevent a lot of these episodes in the future. And so I think that's also important to keep in mind as well. You The goal is to keep every everything balanced for you and the person struggling with the disorder. So I would always say it's going to be, um, it's, it's, a, it's a rough road, especially depending on the capacity you are in their life. Like if you're a partner and you're living with them every single day, it's going to be hard versus like, you know, if you have a parent that you may see once a week or a friend that you see once a month. 
Um, so if you have someone more intimately into your life like that, just have a lot of patience, um, you know, do a lot of self-care for yourself. Um, look up bipolarity, just look up some facts on your own from like very credible uh, medical prescribed sites that can really help you kind of see from our perspective, because sometimes it's hard for people who have this disorder to describe what's going on with them, especially in those moments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can really, uh, yeah, I can feel that it would be quite, yeah, if you're already in the emotion, if your nervous system is already going crazy, you can't really like in a grounded way express what you need. So I guess pre-framing and having a pre-conversations is so important because then you know what to expect, then you know what to do, then you have a safe word, and then you can really like navigate right. the situation. Thank you so much for sharing yeah. that. I'm really I'm so curious about this because, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, bipolarity here and there, people hear about it, but no one really talks about it that much. So I'm just so excited to talk about it. And I'm also curious, like, have you noticed yourself having this kind of, let's say, state um, or, you know, um, emotional, let's say, imbalance uh, already in your young age or did it start like later in your life or how did you... Yeah, that, like, how, how did it feel for you? Did it develop somehow? Did it grow? The more emotions or the more stress uh, did you have? Or mm -hmm. was it something that you inherently had, like, in childhood and or maybe even since were, you were born, you were just more sensitive to it? Like, how does it work? Um, so I was definitely, um, I can remember as early as nine struggling with my uh, mental health. I remember just feeling unbalanced emotionally. I struggled a lot to connect with my classmates um, just because I was sometimes a little bit more introverted. And at the same time, I was going through a lot at home with just my own trauma and seeing these kind of behaviors mimicked from my parents and thinking that was normal. So I came from a very high stress, you know, as the only child being the emotional support animal for my mom and kind of being the brunt of my dad's anger has definitely contributed to the emotional imbalance that I had as a child and grew up with. And I definitely noticed that it got worse once I got to college. You know, when I graduated high school, you get into the real world and you realize that you have all these responsibilities and things that you didn't expect because you're a teenager still, but you're also an adult. And so I definitely noticed it peaked more once I went to college. So that's why I wasn't necessarily diagnosed until I was 24 um, and done with school. But um, I definitely knew beforehand, especially between 20 to 24, that something was really going on and I was either going to get a handle on it or I wasn't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, so that's yeah, good to know because then it it really yeah. it seems like it stems from yeah childhood and then it develops and then it can grow when you have more stress because obviously if you are on yeah you are you have so much responsibility you Absolutely. can be overwhelmed with the amount of things you need to do and take care of and so on so yeah it's good to good to know mm -hmm. uh, thank you so much for sharing and I also am curious about this borderline personality disorder because I've heard of course the name before but I don't really know yes. what it is so I would love to know right. Uh, yeah, the, the, I don't know, the behaviors so, that it brings or right. uh, whatever. Okay, of course. So it's fairly new for me as well because I recently got diagnosed with it. But from my understanding, from just being in therapy, I would share my symptoms of being feeling abandoned a lot or being afraid of being abandoned. 
um, struggling with um, kind of like writing people off too easily. So like, you know, how I think the term is ghosting when you make a new friend um, and if they have something that doesn't align with what you believe in or, you know, whatever it could be. It could be something as silly as I like blue and they're like, I don't like blue and you just ghost them. Um, people who have borderline personality disorder tend to have a stronger inclination to things like that. So for me personally, I struggle with feeling abandoned, even if I'm not. Um, and that stems from childhood. It's more so, borderline is more so from my childhood that never got um, healed, that is still being worked on, but shows up in different ways when I am under a lot of stress versus my bipolarity that is more so and could be more uh, genetic, but more so from just an issue of my mood and regulation. Um, and so I kind of, you know, going back to the labels, I think it just gives me a better understanding of what's going on and things that I can take to help support and regulate my brain while I'm healing. But I don't necessarily think that it's something that, I mean, it's pretty common. We all, the symptoms of borderline are things that we all struggle with. We all want to be connected. We all want to have a community. We want to have a village. And so if that's the case, that everyone in the world has borderline personality <laughs> disorder because exactly. the symptoms are very, very vague and very basic and things that you might even experience feeling every single day. It's just something, you know, that another one of those things that's like, okay, this is how my brain works based on the experiences and things that I have gone through and things that have happened to me. Now, what can I do? And it just goes back to managing, um, eating well, exercising, meditating, repeating those affirmations to yourself of what you know to be true and just really, truly living that out. Mm, yeah, it seems like you're right that most of the people who have uh, this disorder, let's say, because like I have abandonment wound as well since childhood and I've been healing it for, you know, the last few years and I feel quite okay now. But, you know, in the past I could get, I don't know, I could cry because my boyfriend just went out of the room while we had some kind of conflict going on. And then I would like go into my yes. full on crying and trauma and so on. But it's normal. Like it just stems from childhood experiences. I don't think it's like, you know, anything weird. Exactly. I feel honestly I feel like most of us have kind of abandonment wound because even first day at school or you know uh, if someone was in an incubator or maybe the first time that we were left with a nanny or whatever like everyone has some kind of abandonment wound inside of us so it seems to me like this is even yes. more bullshit label than popularity. <laughs> I'm sorry to say but seriously yes. it's like it seems like yeah yes. you have this you have fear of abandonment you have this but like everyone does so Yes. I mean, maybe the intensity I think, varies oh. again, but, you know. Yeah. I think also, too, it's just a reminder that, like, you can stay with this label or this definition and do nothing about it and just say, well, I have borderline personality or I have bipolar disorder, so that's what's wrong with me. Or you can take it and say, well, I got diagnosed because I was showing certain symptoms. So what can I do about these symptoms other than taking medication to help regulate? What can I do naturally or holistically to help me truly heal and move forward? And then see if you go back in a year and talk to your therapist and see if you have the same diagnosis. I, I would, I would, you know, like to believe that maybe you wouldn't, you know, because you may not be showing symptoms or signs of it anymore because you put in the work and focused on what needed to be worked on versus just saying, oh, well, I have this and there's nothing I can do, you know, because that's not true. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, I totally vibe with everything that you're saying. That's so cool. <laughs> and I'm really curious, did, because you said that sometimes you took medication. Did it actually help? It did help when I was under high stress. So like being a mom and having a toddler alone is high stress but because i they're you know little and they don't know how to emotionally regulate and that's our job as parents to teach them how to you know be able to emotionally regulate themselves and i was like okay how can i teach her and myself at the same time and it became a little overwhelming so i did take medication for a couple months to just help myself be balanced while i was trying to navigate how i could truly work on myself and then once i got you know my own safety plan I just decided that I was ready to get off and I told my psychiatrist, you know, I'm ready to get off. I think I have taken the medication for its course and I'm ready to just kind of do things on my own and, you know, on my own being what I had been doing just without medication. And I feel great. You know, I, it definitely helped regulate my brain. And if I need it again, I have no shame in taking it again. But I do prefer to do things without taking medication as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And so how did it work? Like, how did you feel when you uh, have taken it? Did it just like calm you down or? I did. I felt so much calmer. I felt I was able to better focus naturally versus, you know, taking like a something that may not be as safe um or you know along the lines of something that i wouldn't recommend that may even be illegal um i i believe in you know definitely following the prescription and taking it as prescribed and it helped me so much with whenever i felt overwhelmed or irritable or those abandonment thoughts came up it was i was able to just come back down easier from it and i was able to move around my day without feeling that depression of that bolted me to my chair if that makes sense Yeah, and I also feel like, of course, there are medications that maybe are not helpful, but there surely are also the ones that are helpful. And also it depends on the stage that you're in, because sometimes It's taking exactly. medication and actually numbing something is better rather than trying to do everything holistically and just on your own when your nervous system is so over the place that you're not even able to handle yourself. So I also am not against it. Although if, you know, right. my preference is also the holistic healing and the natural and herbs and yes. meditation and yoga and so on, right? But sometimes I know that there are situations that it's actually like the last resort for a person to do it for some time. And then when they are ready, they can go on with their life and be more holistic. And so I'm totally with you on that, uh, that sometimes it is necessary and it's the best way to, to go about something. So uh, yeah, it's good to know that it has helped you uh, on the journey. And it's also good to know that you stopped taking it because I truly believe in the power of our own body to, to heal. And once it is ready uh, for that, then you can step up and just heal yourself. So that's really, really great. Uh, I'm really happy that you, that you, yeah, that you are on this journey of empowerment and self-healing. This is really, really great. And um, awesome. So I have actually the last question about this mental health, um, let's say, area, what do you feel like is the mm, misconception, the biggest like misconception, the myth about mental health that is like going on, you know, around uh, the globe, <laughs> let's say, that is completely like not true from your perspective, something that you've discovered like, oh, actually people said it's like this, but actually it's not fully there. <laughs> I think that the one thing a lot of people think that when you hear these diagnoses for mental health, it's a lot more extreme than it is. I've learned that um, 
the depiction in social media and movies is just not reality, but a lot of us think that it is. And so you don't think anything is necessarily wrong with you because you're not showing signs like that, or you think, okay, um, it's going to get there because I have this diagnosis now. And that's just not true. Everyone is different. You are your own person. I have bipolar too. Another person could have bipolar too and show even, you know, more increased symptoms than myself because we're two different people and that's okay. We're both responsible for getting the help that we need and taking the time that is necessary to heal and keep going and manage this disorder. But I think that it's important to know that the um, extremeness is just a stigma. Honestly, it, there are moments in um, any diagnosis where it could be extremely dangerous or it could turn if you haven't been mindful of, you know, your safety plan or putting in the work, then yeah, but it's honestly, like I, we talked about earlier, things that everyone experience and deal with. And so it's honestly just another part of taking care of yourself. Like you would a wound on your arm or a broken bone. It's just, just like you take care of your physical health, you need to take care of your mental health. And I think that's something that you should just always keep in mind. How am I doing up here and how am I doing with my full body? It has to be aligned. Absolutely. And it's an advice to everyone, really, like whether you're diagnosed with something or not, like everyone should take care of their mental health. And it's kind of like, okay, you brush your teeth, you take care of your physical body, you wash yourself, then you also need to clear your mind and actually like exactly. see what, what is there, like, how am I feeling? What can I focus on to feel better? How can I manage my energy to not be distorted in so many different ways and to not get overwhelmed? I feel like it's really uh, about every single person in this world that they should take care of it <laughs> so yeah that's great that's really great and about this safety because i uh, this safety plan i'm really curious to know like what are what are the let's say elements of the safety plan that people can um you know use in a way like you said you mentioned the safe word let's say uh, like a code like a code word but what else for example would breathing would someone help or would uh, let's say like what would help the most uh, based on your experience so for me i know in my safety plan i go through different things to help myself de-escalate when i have an episode so that always includes affirmations repeating things that i know to be true to myself then it might um transition into mindfulness or mindful breathing especially if i'm by myself i try to do things that i know will help regulate myself when i'm alone but also important factor of the safety plan whether you're by yourself or not is to have someone around that can really remind you and just be mindful and help keep you safe so that you don't fare into you know those those channels of potentially self-harming yourself or harming someone else so you that would always recommend um, if you're home with someone or wherever you are to, to say, hey, you know, whatever your word is, whether it's pineapples or whether it's lemon, you know, so that they know, hey, I'm feeling I'm feeling off right now and I'm not sure what's going on. I just want to make you aware. Can you help support me? And if you're by yourself, I highly recommend either texting or calling someone immediately that you trust and know will be there as a support 
just to, you know, talk on the phone or vent or say, hey, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I feel my mind or I feel a shift. Can I have a conversation with you right now? If those people aren't available, then, of course, I always recommend calling 911 or taking yourself to the nearest urgent care or emergency room so that you can be evaluated and that you can just honestly talk with whoever's on staff or on call. There's always someone available, whether it's a psychiatrist, therapist or, um, you know, doctor to just say, I'm feeling uneasy, I'm feeling off, or I'm not really sure what to do, can you help me? Um, and that, of course, is like the most extreme, you know, at the end of your plan, after you've tried all the other steps from mindful breathing, or sometimes I even like to color, whatever it is that you do normally that you know helps relax you, that needs to be a part of your plan. So for me, it's the mindfulness, it's the affirmations, it's I do coloring of mandalas um, and sometimes because I am a parent, so sometimes I have moments where I'm feeling my brain shifting and I'm at home with my daughter, so I'll just pull out some, you know, paper for her to color with me and I'll just do a mandala for 15 minutes and sometimes I forget that I was even feeling that way. Um, versus sometimes when it's a little bit more extreme and I tell my husband, hey, can you either take our daughter, um, you know, to the park or something so I can just have a moment to myself or do you mind sitting with me because I think I need some comfort, I need, you know, some physical touch, I need a hug, whatever it is, just being vocal. All, don't be afraid to speak up. That is a part of the safety plan. Don't keep it to yourself. Do not suppress it because that's not going to help. Um, and we usually you've already you might have already been to a moment where, you know, OK, being quiet and not saying anything and not speaking up is not helping. So what should I do now? You know, um, it's really easy, though. But always when you have a plan in place and you know what the word is, have it as a file on your phone or and with the person that um, is your support person so that they can remember, OK, she just said lemon. That means she's feeling, you know sad or she's feeling down she said pineapples she feels like she's in danger or she's going to do something and that'll prompt them to come in as your support mm, wow thank you so much for sharing all that i feel like i have so much more uh, wisdom now about this uh, <laughs> state I really, yeah, yeah, I really, really value it because I'm super curious about mental health in general. Uh, you know, I love the human mind and psyche and knowing everything about it. So thank you so yeah. much for sharing all that. And I have a, one last little question uh, to you. If someone would like to see your content and know more about you, what's the best way to find you? Oh, of course. You can follow me on Instagram at Carla with a K said hello. Um, so Carla said hello, or you can go to Carla said hello.com. Oh, perfect. Check out my site. Thank you so, <laughs> so much. Thank you so much for all your wisdom and experience and knowledge that you share with us. I feel like it's such an important topic to talk about mental health in general, but also all these different uh, things that we have inside of us and how to deal with them. So thank you so much. Seriously, I'm super grateful to of you. Of course. And thank you. And thank you for your platform and allowing me to be on it and talk about these things with you.